Welcome to the Woman of Marvel podcast, where we assemble to talk all things Marvel and more. This is Judy Stevens, producer, bringing you episode 69 of the podcast. This week, we have our second Costoberfest interview, this time with Caitlin of Contagious Costuming, who you can see on the Guardians of the Galaxy number one cosplay cover variant on sale now. And for those not in the know, Costumerfest is our annual celebration of cosplay and costuming on Marvel.com. So check out Marvel.com slash Costoberfest for all the celebrations. Plus, as you've just heard, we now have an official Woman of Marvel podcast song written and performed by Married with Sea Monsters. We jumped on the phone with the band to chat their process on creating songs. So stay tuned after the interview with Caitlin for a two-part podcast. Welcome to the Woman Marvel podcast, where we assemble to talk all things Marvel and more. This is Judy Stevens, producer again at DragonCon. It's a little later in the in the weekend. My voice is uh, quickly quickly leaving for me, but I'm bringing you another one of our cosplay cover cosplayers. We have the Gamora um, Miss Contagious cosplay, Caitlin. Say hi. Hey everyone. She has really bright pink hair, um, so we match. <laughs> you can't see that at home, guys, but. So uh, what I really wanted to bring you on to talk about is sort of props, because I met you at DragonCon last year, and you had this amazing Gamora from Guardians of the Galaxy with the prop with her, like, sword. And I went over and I was like, oh, my God, that's really, like, accurate. How did you do that? And you were like, oh, the Marvel.com posted these pictures. And I was like, I did that. And so it was really great, and, like, being able to know that you did that costume and so that when I was starting to think about, like, who do I know who does who has a good good Gamora? I was like, oh, I wonder if she's like anywhere near Atlanta. So, but one I really want to talk about how you made the props, and we'll talk about like body paint and stuff like that. But what, first and foremost, what made you want to do Gamora? Honestly, it started when we went. My group of friends went to the first went to the movie, and we sat down and watched it. It was so it blew us all away, you know. And it was one of those fandoms where we're definitely into sci-fi and comics mostly. So being able to take that comic and pull it into space was something that was really attracted to us. And then we decided that we saw all the different the different skills that we could sort of learn while trying to build the set of costumes. And so we decided that maybe we'd try to take on the whole team at the beginning of the summer. And then, you know, you know how things go. You got lofty goals. And then by the end of the summer, we ended up doing, um, we completed the Gamora costume. And then my friend Austin made a really cool Rocket Raccoon puppet. And so that was sort of how things went. And it was just, it started as just love of fandom. And then it turned into skill collecting. And then by the end of the day, it was just a really cool costume. And that sword was just, it was such a fun thing to put together. So I'm still kind of a baby prop maker. So that was like my first big prop. So why don't you walk through um, how, how you like start to actually make a prop? Like, you know, I think one of the things is that whenever I ask someone, oh, how, what do you make this out of? They, like, just throw words. And they're like, oh, it's just EVA foam or it's just, it's just word blood. But for those at home who don't have any understanding of how to make a prop, like, what's, what's the first thing you do? Absolutely. The first thing that I did was take a photo. I found there was one particular one where Gamora had her sword in front of her and to get the scale and proportion right. Because I'm, I'm a little shorter and different shapes and to get the size figured out. And then I went into Inkscape, which is kind of like Illustrator, but it's a freeware program. It's really easy to use. It has fantastic measurements. 
tools and that sort of thing with it. And I made a blueprint kind of based around the scale that I came up with and the reference photos. And then I took that blueprint and I put it into, we're really lucky to have access to a really awesome laser cutter. And I, I love using technology when I'm building my props and costumes. I think it really, it's, it's fun for me. So it makes the whole process a lot neater when I learn something out of it. And I laser cut it out of MDF, which is like a, a cheap wood, and then and it had all the etches in it and the the blood groove, and then I took it on a belt sander and I put the edges of the sword on it, and then I coated the whole thing in fiberglass to keep it from absorbing any sort of moisture or anything like that, and then we painted it and went from there. So that was for the blade part. And then the handle I took and same started with a blueprint that was about the right shape and designed laser cut um, acrylic pieces for the etching that's on kind of the hilt of the sword. And then laser cut that and sanded it and sanded and sanded it and then glued it all together. And then we took some plumber's epoxy, which is a really handy um, material that you can find a little bit easier than like your, your typical smooth-on products, and just kind of like molded the plumber's epoxy to make the handle. The coolest part of that sword, though, which is what I part of the reason why I fell in love with it, was the the knife blade that comes off. So I took a magnets and then inset the magnets into the handle of the knife so I could pull it off to, you know, give you something more to pose with and have fun. I had a really good time with the Star-Lord last year playing with my knife. So that, and it all like glued together, then it gets a coat of spray paint and you're good to go. So easy. So easy. You know, <laughs> it was, it was quite a process and we ended up actually having to redo the blade of the sword a few times just from trial and error. The first one I put the fiberglass on too thick and the second one got warped. I think it was about three, three versions before I got one that I was happy with. I'm picky though. Wow. I mean, you're going to be wearing it's yours. So, yeah. and I, I think what's sort of what important part of what you said was you picked a lightweight wood. That was really important. I'm, I'm not, when you're having to pose and carry it around a convention all day, you don't want to have to schlep something super heavy. It just, it, it gets old quick. Yeah. And, and that way, you know, you don't have to worry about like shipping. It's too heavy if you're going to ship it. I mean, obviously mm -hmm. I think you drive down here, but for those who like so many people here come from all over the country, all over the world, they have to ship their props and their armor and all that stuff. You want to think about how is it going to come apart so that you can put it in a box or, you know, bring it on a plane? Well, not that you're going to be able to bring a, even if it's a fake wooden sword on a plane. I don't know. I bet you could. I had, well, I had an interesting situation with a rocket launcher. I made a foam rocket launcher that I flew from Greensboro, North Carolina to Seattle with in a, in a uh, golf ball, like a, a golf carry-on bag, like those hard golf carry-on bags. And... They had no problem with the rocket launcher, but they didn't like the other, all the other props I had with me. So that, was, that made for a very interesting plane trip. Yeah, that's always like a good story when uh, when you're going through, especially here in Atlanta, going through like the main airport. Like I, I brought, I, I bought like a pair of um, uh, deer deer antlers last year. Oh my goodness! And you can't put them on the plane because they'll they'll like um, you'll uh, uh, they'll break because they're mm -hmm. not that stable. And so I went to go bring them. I was like, I can bring them on the plane. I was like, ah, and they were like, oh. 
Oh, you're here for Dragon Gun? Okay, go ahead. Oh, that's so great. And it was it was sort of like, oh, thank you so much. Thank you so much because like uh, now they are in my my bedroom and I love them. Uh, but yeah, like just the weird things that come through this airport for Dragon Con must be like a different I'm, world. I'm sure. Yeah, transport's so important. We really like using of light wood for blades too because it's also really safe. Um, sometimes when we do more like resin blades and that the cast, they just honestly they get a little bit too sharp, and I wouldn't. And they're a lot heavier than using the wood blades. Um, I, yeah, I most I recently finished up one, and we went did a resin hilt and a wood blade. It just it makes it so much it's so much easier because you can sand it, you can get it nice and smooth, but still not have to worry about you know not taking someone out or. Dragon Con's pretty open with things, but a lot of conventions around the country are pretty strict about what you can bring in. Oh, yeah. So if you're going to your con and you have a fake weapon, make sure that go on to their website and make sure what their rules are. Um, a lot of times you're going to have to get a piece bonded, and if it's not appropriate to whatever their their rules are, you may not be able to bring it into the con. So that's super important. I've actually never really had props. Like, that's not a thing I do, so I've never had to worry about that. But um, and that, but that's, like, one cool thing about Dragon Con is that they're a little bit more free because of certain rules down here in the <laughs> South. And, uh, and so, you know, you, you get away with a little bit more cool weapons and accessories and and for some of the really amazing stuff that happens down here it's it's sometimes it's that added value like oh i know i can go to dragon con and i can bring this weapon absolutely it's it's ingrained in the culture down here too it's because there is such a costuming and cosplay focus it feels like people they are more likely to know that it's it's a prop it's a toy yeah, exactly, and the, I think the Dragon Con security does a really good job of uh, policing what needs to be policed, and uh, this is a pretty great run con. Uh, I'm going to thank the uh, Dragon Con because we're doing their podcast in their room right now. Yay! Yay. Uh, so, and uh, the other thing that I think you you sort of glossed over, but you talked about, that. Mm-hmm. so Gamora's sword actually is multiple pieces. Um, so if you ever go, if you guys are like ever get a chance to rewatch the movie, you'll notice that when she has it on her hilt, it's like small. Yes. And it actually like in CG grows to the big sword. She's able to like grow it. But obviously in real life, that doesn't work. So you, I like how you made sure that you had like a separate piece that it could be like, oh, it's like. Oh, when we first designed it, that was part of the reason why we did the the blade separate in the hilt. I wanted to have just a, a plain hilt, but we ended up not having time to cast it and do everything because that would have been really cool having one just to wear with like with the knife and the top part of it for like around the con when you don't want to schlep a sword. Yeah, but you know, big plans, big plans. I was I was very very happy with how it turned out though. It's I've I've started an armory wall and that's kind of like my main piece and I've got like gaps I have to figure. I'm like, okay, well, I want to put magic sword there, and I need this sword here, and it's it's starting to be a fun collection, too, and it's really inspiring, like, learning about the props is inspiring the costumes, too. Yeah, and I think that, like, for those whoever are interested or, like, always wondering how to pose in a costume, having a prop makes things so much easier because, you know, a lot of times people don't know what to do with their character. It's some There's some characters that are just like, what do I do to stand here? But having a prop, like, oh, now I have something to pose with. Now I have something to, like, change up my pose. You know, when, I, when a photographer asks for a second pose, I can think about how I'm going to move my prop. So mm-hmm. that's always, like, if you, if you do have a prop for your 
costume. Try and uh, make it work. I uh, actually, I was, I had a conversation about that this morning. I'm wearing a Phil Noto's Black Widow later, uh, and it's it's really very clean, simple line costume. But I had made, I modded like a Walmart rocket launcher to look just like the RPG she has in the first issue, and that was kind of like, well, we could have this, and it's like, yeah, you should probably bring it. It's super light to carry, and it's made of plastic. No big deal if it gets break, but it gives you so many more options for posing and it, you know it looks cool when you're carrying a rocket launcher like that's just one yeah. of those things <laughs> you clearly like rocket launchers don't you i am i am i'm a fan of the big guns absolutely <laughs> like i haven't i don't know we, we made some like space pistols and stuff but i still i still like the rocket launchers better well then, rocket launchers for life. So and the other aspect about Gamora, which is not only do you have to make a prop and you have to make a costume, you then have to paint yourself green. Oh, the body paint. That was that was fun. That was some research. I'm like same thing. I'm I'm a rookie across the board. I'm a jack of all trades and a master of none. So I've like dabbled a little bit. I've done a lot of theater and that sort of thing. So I've been exposed to it, but I haven't really had a whole lot of experience with it. And the paint that I ended up finding was Temp 2 alcohol-based body paint. I really liked it because it was easy to mix the colors. Gamora's kind of a funny like in-between green. She's not quite as dark as She-Hulk. So it's it was hard to find one that was like just the right shade. Um, unfortunately, my skin hated it. I, I wouldn't necessarily recommend it. You're not supposed to put it on your face, and I wouldn't, if you have sensitive skin, I would not recommend using it. But it lasted really, really, really well. Um, we put it on at Dragon Con, and the thing is with Gamora's costume is her whole, all her midriff is exposed. But you have that mesh fabric that rubs up against it, so I was really worried if I used just a typical water-based body paint that it would just rub off and really like muck up the fabric. And and so we did the alcohol-based. It worked so well for that. It took about three hours for me to apply, but same thing. I'm a rookie. I imagine that's one of those things that gets better. And we didn't we didn't use an airbrush this time. We just haven't haven't quite mastered that yet. But it it went on really well. And honestly, it lasted all day at the shoot at Dragon Con. We were out for about five hours, and my eyebrows melted off. Like I did the whole um, Elmer like glue stick eyebrows to get that get rid of that and that melted off like way before the body paint so wow next time next time i do more i'm going to go eyebrow wax i've heard that that works a lot better so it's good each every time you wear it, it's it's a learning experience it gets a little bit better and i'm one of my friends is trying to talk me into building the ravager suit and it's yeah. that's a beautiful costume yeah. with the screen printed fabric and it's it would be an insane build but you know maybe we got a, we got a whole year till till dragon con next year yeah yeah, a little bit more time until, until Guardians of the Galaxy 2 comes out, too. We'll see. There's that. Then you have to decide if you want to do this Ravager suit or you want to see what, what does she get to wear in the next movie. Yeah. Oh, it'd probably be even cooler and more complicated. And I bet her sword will be the same, though. God, that God Slayer is sweet. Yeah. As, as uh, seeing the Ravager costumes up, it, like the, the, the costume design and the skill that went into those, those coats... And those, and like the leather work. I mean, even into Star Lord's <clears throat> jacket that he wears in the first scene, the long jacket that you don't see him wear again. Mm-hmm. They like all the little detailing that, like they put the pressed leather and all this stuff. I remember I just like when I first saw it, I just sort of stood there and like touched it for a while. And I was like, this is so cool. You like you never get a chance to, um, unless you unless we do exhibits or things like that, mm-hmm. to actually see these costumes up in person because there's so many little things that costume designers put into things that may not not necessarily be 
like are made for movie magic, but also are very cool in person. Absolutely. That that Star Lord coat is just amazing. I helped a friend of mine oh, make some picture. materials for a oh. screen accurate Star Lord jacket, and that was nice. the coolest thing. Learning about how the the screen printed fabric Star Lord's short jacket's not actually leather. And I like I, I had assumed um, and my friend Chris contacted me about screen printing. I have a little screen printing set up and we it took about 12 hours of just doing pulls, but laying this really cool gloss fat, gloss down over just plain like twill like jeans material. It looked like space reptile like it absolutely looked like it was the coolest thing because it had this really neat sheen and it. It was like something otherworldly. And it really, just the details in that are, so, it takes it to the next level. And it really makes it something magical and cosmic. Yeah. Oh, man. This is really cool that you, that, like, looking at this and being, it's always very cool to see what customers and cosplayers do. What do you have up on your sleeve that you're planning next? Oh, I don't, see, that's the thing. There's always something. We have, um, my next door neighbor happens to be a sublimation printer, and she does mostly, like, backdrops for musical shows and things like that, and she's not aware of superhero costuming and how, how popular sublimation printing is, so we've been trying to get her into that. So I would really like to work on a Wolverine costume that's the all-new Wolverine yeah. Laura it's a it's a sweet suit and I think that would be a really fun kind of graphic design and celebration learning learning new skills and trying out and seeing seeing if we can build you know design a sub print that fits so I'm in making claws and that sort of thing and then after that I really want to do the all-new magic costume with her giant glowing sword yes. it's just so yes. cool I love magic I love all of magic's <sighs> designs it's amazing. And the, the um, Bendis' run was just so good. And her, her backstory, and when she, she's such a layered character. And I really, she's had such a dark upbringing, but she still, there's like a lightness inside of her. And she wants, she wants to be a hero. And it's, she's overcoming a lot. But I did, I started, this summer was my leather summer. And I started learning how to working with leather. So I'd love to do her, her black suit with, out of leather and then have the sword glow. We're, we're building a, a two by four vacuum form machine this fall. So we can have, we have something that's big enough so we won't have to have any seams in it anywhere. So I'm, fingers crossed, we'll see if that happens. But there's always, there's always something. Yeah, I gotta go back and sew an Ant-Man spandex suit, but that's that's less exciting. <laughs> Classic or actually, it is for the current the current comic edition. Austin made a really sweet helmet with his wife. Uh, yeah, so they didn't quite finish it in time for Dragon Con because they were working on a Hawkeye quiver, but they're I think they're gonna pull that off for Halloween. So cool. Yeah, I I, can't, I have to keep my friends. This I do a lot of. I honestly do a lot more of that right now than costuming for myself, just because, you know, that's cool. But I get a lot of satisfaction out of seeing like the joy on someone's face when they're like finally turned into that character. That that's that's honestly what got me hooked. Was I made a Thor costume for one of my friends, and he he entered the the page to the stage pageant at the that George Perez. Hosted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was like this giant goober, and he like walked out, and he was like Thor. And just like, I, I cried. 
I will totally admit it. I cried, and it really, it was the most satisfying thing ever. So after that, I was like, okay, I'm going to take most of my time and build stuff for my friends. And it's really cool because that gives me a lot of experience in working with different body types. I'm, I'm kind of a tiny person, and most of, most of my friends are bigger people. So it's really fun, like, getting to build these, you know, suits for you know, giant six-foot-five men that are 300 pounds with, like, 30-inch waists, you know, like ridiculous stuff like that. It just, it, I've learned so much through all of this that it's, it's really cool. It's, it's a lot more than just dressing up for me. Yeah, I think I think for anyone, it's more than just dressing up. Definitely. But where can uh, listeners find you uh, online? Absolutely. I am. I've got our website is isitcontagious.com. That's got a little bit more than just the costuming stuff. Um, my Facebook page is at Contagious Costuming, and then my personal Instagram account is Caitlin Contagious. Yay. All the contagious. Well, if anyone at home has any questions about sort of prop making, all that stuff, make sure you holler over at Caitlin. She will explain to you what a vacuum form machine is. I'd love to help. Yes. Great. Well, thanks so much. Um, Your comic is out later this fall. This uh, will be running a little later past Dragon Con. So you guys will be listening to this. It'll probably be cold outside. Yes. But make sure you guys are pre-ordering all the Marvel cosplay covers um, to all your retailers that you love them absolutely cool we will check you guys later this is marvel your universe now to part two of this podcast with the band married with sea monsters Welcome back to the Women of Marvel podcast, where the women of Marvel assemble to talk all things Marvel and more. I'm Adri Cowan. I am the social media manager. I'm Emily Shaw, assistant editor. And I'm Judy Stevens, producer. And today uh, we have one of our first bands on the podcast. We're really excited. Uh, yay! Yeah! Um, <laughs> we have the band who actually uh, did our Women of Marvel podcast theme song we have married with sea monsters say hi guys hello hi so why don't um there's uh four of you in the band but we have three of you on the phone why don't uh each of you introduce yourselves um i'm kat dixon i sing and play guitar for married with sea monsters and the mary jane i'm ryan i play guitar i'm jared i'm the bass player great well thank you for joining us um so uh, we sort of want to start with, like, uh, you guys are based in Texas. Um, how did you guys, like, did you all play music growing up? How did the band sort of, like, come together? Um, uh, the band actually came together probably, yeah, we all we were all playing music in the area at the time. Um, I was working at a little recording studio, and I wasn't playing in a band. And um, I was just trying to record music, so I had a bunch of, like, people I had recorded come play songs with me and stuff, and Jared was one of them, and Alden was one of them, and then it just, we just kind of started to try and make it a thing, and Cat was in a different band at the time, and um, when that band uh, broke up, we kind of just joined together in creating this, and that was probably seven years ago, maybe, somewhere along that timeline. And then we've been kind of, we've had, me, Alden, and Kat have been in the same lineup for a while. Uh, we've had a few keyboardists and bassists and stuff like that come and go, but 
Um, Mika and Holden have been playing for probably like seven years now. And I was the original bassist, took a leave of absence and then came back. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> I was totally not expecting the thick accents at all. <laughs> and I'm pleasantly surprised. Thick accent? Yes. Well, we're oh, in New York, so. <laughs> yeah, New Yorkers don't have accents. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, you probably think we have accents because everyone talks like that in Texas, but uh, uh, it's very rare. We don't really have a lot of uh, uh, Texans or Southerners uh, that we talk to. That's hilarious. I guess you just don't notice how you sound, you know? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, and and the, I think really the most interesting thing about accents is it never really comes through in music that, like, people sing very standard uh, unless they have, like, a specific type of, like, way that they sing. But, like, when you listen to, like, a British person sing or, you know, a Southerner sing, they all sort of have, unless they're country, uh, they all sort of sort of sound... I, I, the wor- normal is not the word, but... <laughs> Maybe it is normal. <laughs> Everyone should be normal. Wouldn't normal technically be British? Yes. <laughs> so when you guys first started, is, is the, the music that you guys started with very similar? Has it, like, evolved over the last seven years, or...? Oh, it just absolutely evolved. Um, we are we're definitely more um, pop and rock oriented now, I guess, with the Mary Jane stuff and with our own stuff, we're evolving um, constantly to you know catchier tunes and stuff. Uh, we started out very like a thematic music almost, a lot of like um, uh, I guess ocean oriented things, aquatic themes. <laughs> and now we're kind of branching out. We try to play a little bit of everything. And and so for those listening at home, uh, uh, they did the Spider Gwen, uh, Mary or the Mayor Jane song, oh. not Spider Gwen. Yeah. So tell me how that yeah. happened. Like I, I want to know all about how you became connected with the Marvel universe. Well, I mean, uh, I I've read comic books for a really long time. I love them, and I think it's wonderful. Uh, but Robbie has been, uh, Robbie Rodriguez, the artist on Spider-Gwen, we've all been friends with him for a really long time. He's from Waco, too, uh, Waco, Texas. And so we've known him for a, for a while, and um, we've worked with him before. We wrote a soundtrack for his, uh, his creator-owned comic, Frankie Get Your Gun, called Distrito, <clears throat> and uh, I think he kind of really likes the aesthetic as much as we do of having a soundtrack for visual media. So he asked us to do, he was like, hey, write a Mary Jane song. <laughs> and we we're like, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's really great, especially considering, um, obviously, the that entire, like, comic book and the sort of events that happened of that and, you know, seeing, like, the band on the page and then being able to go and, like, actually listen to the music is something that's very unique um, and new in comics and I think more and more artists are sort of doing that um, and it's it's definitely like something that if so if anyone's listening at home uh, it's on our YouTube page um, we'll put the link in the news story so you guys can go find it and listen to the song and then go read the comic again we can probably play a little clip of oh, it oh that's true uh, I will, right now I will throw it in right now <laughs> in the editing process <laughs> 
bit about how you came up with the song for the Mary Jane. Like, what was your process? Did you talk to Robbie and he kind of give you the vibe? Did you read the comic book? Like, just kind of curious how you came up with the sound. Uh, yeah, we did talk to Robbie when Robbie came to us talking about um, the part in the book where she's in a band and, you know, sh- and he told us the sounds he kind of was into and kind of envisioned that band sounding like. And so we did the best we could with it. We were really, we were really nervous about it. People hold their... I, we didn't even want to get ripped apart by the comic book world for doing something terrible. So we were a little concerned. We're glad it like took off and everybody took to it really, really well because most of the uh, feedback has been pretty overwhelmingly positive. We haven't heard a lot of negativity about it, so that's pretty good. Yes, negativity should go die in a hole. <laughs> <laughs> well, the internet. You know the as you know the Marvel fans are very, very passionate. So yeah. you have there's always somebody that just hates everything. So I understand your fear. Yeah, I think part of the fun of being a comic book fan for some people is just, like, hating on everything. Like, it's part of the enjoying the experience of, like, being so involved in the world. And, you know, like, those people are just going to, you know, be haters, and that's cool. But I feel like I have only heard, like, overwhelmingly positive feedback about the music, and I love it. It was, like, such a fun idea to integrate, like, actual sound with that piece. It was a great, it was a great idea. Um, Thanks, guys. And definitely, like, when we were, you know, when we had the opportunity to make our own song, um, you know, the podcast has been, uh, we've been doing this for about over uh, a year and a half now, and, you know, it's definitely, like, a, a labor of love for us. Um, we don't necessarily, uh, per se, have a budget. Uh, and so now that we have the ability to sort of add unique pieces, we were like, oh, we need a song. Okay. And then I was like, I don't understand. I don't know what, I don't know what to do, because I don't, music is not my thing. And uh, and so you know we were we were throwing around different people we could go to, and someone was like, "Well, they did this, they did that, that Mary Jane song. You should go do it, and I, and like you should go talk to them." And so, and that's sort of like how it came together. Um, us being able to hear that the, the the sound, I think, really really fits sort of what our podcast is about, and fits the four of us. Um, you know, very like poppy punky type of people. Well, good. I'm really glad it does. If you could get your hands on another character, this is all hypothetical, obviously, um, to create kind of a theme song for, which one would it be? Oh, man, that one is really tough. I think, obviously, any of the Avengers. Like, if we could be an Avengers movie and write a theme song for that whole team of people, that would be so freaking cool. Totally. That would be awesome. Good choice. Good choice. (laughs) I'm like imagining the song in my head right now. <laughs> yeah, I think it'd be obviously pretty epic. Yeah. I know. It'd be pretty great. Yeah, we never really had a theme I can just song. picture like Tony Stark kind of just taking over the song, rocking out to it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Dude, we haven't had uh, like a cameo or something in the song, like guest vocals. <laughs> I don't think he'd have it any other way. <laughs> oh, yeah. He would just grab the mic and start singing over exactly. it. Exactly. After sipping back too many. Right. And he'd have, I picture it, he'd have a glass of bourbon in one hand and the mic in the other. Yeah. How, how all true singers should be, right? Drinking whiskey while they sing. Totally helps their vocal cords. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's good. It's amazing. Um, so, um, well, we just want to talk a little bit about um, how you guys wrote when you came up with the Women of Marvel podcast. I, I think we didn't. We gave you a really like loose idea. Sort of, how did you start with uh, making a, a podcast song? Well, we uh, when you when you guys originally approached us, um, it was really uh, it was a huge task in our eyes because we were like, oh my gosh, what do we do? How do we do this? And uh, we were pretty intimidated, but eventually I think we just decided uh, one practice to sit down and try to write it like Mary Jane songs because, you know, uh, girl power, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> I don't know. That was kind of our thought process. Like, we were like, this is such a cool thing, like an awesome message for comic book fans everywhere. Like, this Women of Marvel podcast is really super cool. So we were like, who better to do a song for them than Mary Jane? So that's just kind of how we wrote it. It was perfect. You completely nailed it. Cool, thanks. Thank you. Yay! And we'll have the song at the end of this podcast for everyone to hear, too. Yeah, we'll have the full one. Um, we had the intro a little bit when you guys first started, and then we'll put the full song so you can hear uh, the entire verse. So, we're super excited. Thank you so much for, for writing our song. Yes, thank you. We love it. It's thank fantastic. Yay. Uh, is there, uh, where can uh, fans find you on the internet? We are on Spotify, iTunes, Bandcamp, TV Baby, I think uh, lots of them. Uh, yeah. yeah. We're also on Facebook if you guys have any like questions or messages for us. We're on Twitter, Instagram. <laughs> all the things. Yeah. Yeah. So you're basically all taking things. over the internet. <laughs> Adri's very proud of you I'm right so now. Proud. Social media manage. Yay. So before you guys head out, can you talk to us for a second about your name, Married with Sea Monsters? Where did that name come from? Talk to us for a second about that. Well, uh, me, me and Ryan and Jared all went to college together, and it just kind of started out as like an inside joke. And it was like, nobody would ever name their band that. And then it stuck, and we like it, and it just fits more and more. All the time, so we kept it. Nice. I like it. It paints a very colorful picture. I'm into it. Which sea monster, which of the variants of sea monsters would you uh, prefer to be married with? Ooh, okay. Which variant? Well, I mean, I'd I'd have to say Sulu, right? Because he's like the the master of everything. Related. Good. You got our stamp of approval. Well done. Well played, guys. Uh-huh. Great. Well, uh, I think uh, uh, we'll le- let you guys get back to making music. Uh, we will uh, uh, be continuing to add the different pieces of your song into our podcast. So that those listening at home look to uh, hearing our Woman of Marvel song every week now from on. We're excited. We're a real podcast now, guys. <laughs> and check out our full theme song right now.
A huge thank you to both Caitlin and Married with Sea Monsters for joining us this week. As always, if you have questions for us, please email us at womanof at marvel.com or tweet us at marvel, hashtag womanofmarvel. Next week for the podcast, we chat with the crew from Graphic Audio. We'll check you guys later. This is Marvel, your universe.